Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. It is October 19th, I think, 2021. It's been a busy week. This is Q&A number 62 and um, I want to, first of all, just um, say I'm super proud of everybody in the group. Uh, We are at 89 members in 19 states and I just got about 17 members uh, plus the five in the clinic. So plus multiple runs with multiple horses for each. So I think I did about 30 videos. Uh, and today is what, Tuesday? <laughs> Since, uh, yeah, in the last 48 hours, I think I did 30 videos. So anyways, um, so yeah, I might be a little rattled, but I have a really hectic week ahead with lessons and, and all of that. So I want to go ahead and, um, do the Q and A now. I've got a few good questions and we're going to discuss the, uh, heart of the champion chapter five. And that's a really great one. And I think it's a good one to do now since many of the members in the group are heading to Georgia for, uh, open world right now. So, um, some of you are coming down from New York and we've got some coming from Tennessee and there's just people all over heading to world right now. So it's an exciting time. And most of all, remember you are having fun. Okay. These are, uh, your family vacations, the time and money you put into it, make it a good trip because 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're going to look back and you're not going to remember the time you ran or the buckle you won or the money you won. You're going to remember the memories of the, the connection with your horse and your family and your friends and all of that. So just enjoy the journey. So anyways, there's quite a few shout outs that I, I um, was really proud of this week. Um, you know, uh, Callie and Jesse got in the money in the 2D youth at a big MBHA in Florida. And Peggy set herself a big goal to run a 20-second pole pattern in Tennessee. And she ran a 21.09. So blink of an eye and she would have had her goal met. Um, Rachel did beautiful on both her geldings. Um, three runs in three days. So six clean runs all within two or three tenths of them. Angela and Buster had very consistent runs. You're ready for world. You guys are a team. You know your horse. Just trust your horse. And um, the fire and the turns will come together and it will be great for you. Uh, Tracy and Lucy had a beautiful run. Um, I'm just been seeing some really great stuff. Uh, Caitlin in Kansas on her awesome mare Holly. 1D first and 1D second at her rodeo this weekend. Both runs, I mean, just awesome runs. Uh, There's just been a lot of really great runs. Some of you have been sending me the um, the skill set. I've been having you do the cross or the windmill drill and things like that. You've been sending me your your videos of your practice, and you look awesome. Uh, Danielle and Ash had a really pretty smooth. Uh, in entering for your uh, first couple times back on ash going for good in the alleyway and smooth on the pattern so I'm just really proud of all of you everybody's doing great Um, Danielle did great at the American and almost qualified on her horse Um, so I mean just really everyone I'm just super super proud of you so I'm going to go ahead and go into the Q&A's now Um, And then uh, we'll go ahead and 
talk about that. Also, remember, if you have a personal best, um, let me know. I think I have about 12 or 14 names on the drawing for October. So if you do have a personal best, let me know and I'll add you to the prize drawing. Um, Okay, so for questions, uh, what if you see in your mind's eye that you hit a barrel um, right before your run? You know, because I mentioned to you guys to visualize and to practice, but what if you see negative thoughts like hitting a barrel or going by a barrel? Um, That was a question. Well, that's where you have to teach yourself to visualize and replace a negative with a positive. So um, think of your best practice or your best run and visualize that run. Uh, It's really important what your mind's eye and your thoughts um, see and tell yourself. You have to believe in yourself. It's really, really important. So um, it's absolutely easier the more you do it. So the more time you spend practicing your skill slow during the week and the more time you visualize, maybe when you're, you know, you have some quiet time at work or at lunchtime or driving or whatever, the better you get at seeing positive, smooth runs, the, the better you're going to do. So I think that's really important. Um, I also did a podcast about timing and feel as well, and um, I think that's a big part of it. Um, too. So the next question was about, um, that's why practicing and going on a regular basis helps a lot as well. The next question was about after a break, um, and you have a lameness, <laughs> excuse me, how would you bring them back? Um, for me over the years, what's worked for me, cause you know, any barrel racers had a lame horse. That's just going to be how it is. And, um, with me having multiple that I competed on, I could give them breaks when, one was lame and and take another one, which worked out great. But I always listen to my vets and normally um, your vets like you to consider how long they've been off. So if they were off a month, take a month to leg them back up. They were off two months, three months, take two or three months to leg them back up. But as far as the injury, once you get the okay that they're fine, most vets will have you start just um, either hand walking them or trail riding them on grass, hard ground, straight lines at a walk and do that for the first week or two, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And if they feel good, remember they've been sitting, so they're kind of a couch potato. They're not fit and their muscles are soft. And it's just like you, if you don't do anything for a week being sick or down, and then you start doing things, your energy is just not there. Your muscles get sore and you don't want to re-injure this horse. So absolutely take the time to warm them up slow, just a lot of walking. Um, and then, you know, usually the vets will say add five or 10 minutes, you know, onto your walking as you see they're handling it. And then maybe you can add five minutes of trotting the next week or so. Um, and all this should be just straight lines for probably the first two to four weeks, especially if they were off, you know, 60 or 90 days. Um, and then gradually, if they were off a month, and you're getting them back legged up, maybe the fourth week you could start taking them in the arena in the sand and um, maybe do some long trotting uh, or some transitions and stuff. But I probably wouldn't lope circles and and for sure not do any pattern work until the second month and base it again on your increments of getting them legged up. So hard ground, straight work first, only add a little bit as they're showing they can handle it. watch their breathing, they're sweating. Um, you can also stretch them and, you know, liniments and massages and acupuncture or pressure or 
chiropractic, anything like that, extra things back on track, magnetics, um, magna waves, you know, anything extra you can do to help them recover will be helpful too. Essential oils, all of that is helpful. Um, so I would consider that, but that's a very good question. Um, the next question, um, someone asked, oh, I also put in the group this week as skill challenges, the windmill and the crossbow, um, the windmill or cross video, um, was last week, but there's some videos in the group. So watch them because they're really good ones to see if your horse is working as, uh, as fluid and collected and smooth as these horses. Um, also figure eights is in there. Um, figure eights with circles and true turns. So, um, those are all in there as well. So, um, take a look at those videos. They're very, they should be very helpful for you. Uh, I think that's a good thing to take a look at as well. And someone else asked me a question, um, which is kind of an odd question, but they asked me if I still wrote articles for Florida Equine Athlete. And I said, uh, to them, no. And they, I told them that I used to do it for Florida barrel horses too. And, and then that led to uh, asking if I've always written and blah, blah, blah. Well, about, I guess it was probably, I don't know, 15, 16, maybe longer, 18 years ago, I asked uh, floridabarrelhorse.com when I first moved here if I could write barrel racer bios um, for, you know, barrel racers in Florida that were, you know, winning, whether it was rodeo for charity or whatever. Um, and also offer my training tips that would allow me to meet more people and get my training philosophy out there and blah, blah, blah. So they agreed to it. You know, it wasn't going to cost her anything and she liked what I stood for. And, and then I became, started doing it for Florida equine athlete as well. So I basically, you know, you use, change the articles up a little bit, but a lot of times it was the same. Um, but as I w was doing that, um, I, I came across interesting things for sure. Um, there was one person um, that I interviewed and they made me take a lot out afterwards that they didn't want people to know. And you know, there were things that were really shocking. Um, like, you know, they would uh, inject their poor horses front feet and hawks of their futurity year, whether they needed it or not, just to be competitive at the BFA and things like that, the big futurities with added money. And I thought that was kind of sad. You know, here these babies are just babies, three going on four and they're injecting steroids in the front feet and the hawks. And she did take that out of her article, but it was always in my mind of the things that go on behind the scenes. Um, another one people would recommend to me to interview people. And there was a couple that I knew I didn't like the way they did things. But at least when I interviewed them, they said, you know, I used to do things pretty harsh and blah, blah, blah. And I've learned better ways over the years. And, and that made me happy. So I did their articles and published them. And, and you know, they kind of repented their old abusive ways to better ways now. And, you know, they still may be more cowboy than the way I do things. But, you know, at least they were saying that they did things more horsemanship than the old way. But there was one lady who they everyone wanted to interview and I never did finish her interview because I didn't want to publish it because she literally would bit horses up for eight hours that came in. And I said, why? You know, she'd bit them up in the round pen and leave them there. She said to humble them. And I said, okay, you grab your ankles and I'll be back in eight hours. And you tell me if you're humbled or if you're not just resentful of me 
for doing that to you and two sore as heck for being bent over grabbing your ankles for eight hours so I didn't think that was good and I wasn't about to publish it so it was kind of at that point where I kind of had to decide you know my principles my theories and if I was going to go against that as a trainer I never would but as now as an editor I mean an editor as a writer I was going to have to think things through differently so I started to really enjoy the writing and I thought it would be a great way to make an extra income so I reached out to like Barrel Horse News and asked them if they'd be interested and I had just done an article for a big time barrel racer been doing it her whole life and and I wrote her article, interviewed her, wrote it, sent it back to her. She didn't like the way I wrote it. She rewrote the whole thing, gave it back to me and told me to publish it that way. Didn't really hurt my feelings because some people are like that. They just want things their way. But later on, I was uh, uh, sending out some of my work to Barrel Horse News to write for them. And the editor was happy with my work and she was going to pay me freelance prices, you know, for some of my work. And she asked me to go do um a, a specific event and um once the person who got wind of it which is also the person that rewrote their article got wind of it apparently um they didn't like it according to the editor they asked that a more experienced writer with the paper did the job even though i was here in florida and the event was here in florida but anyways um so i asked the editor why and that's what she said you know, you're not going to get paid for it because, you know, she wants a more experienced person on it. And I'm like, okay. So I reached out to her and I said, you know, I'd really do a good job. I'd like this opportunity. And she goes, oh, I didn't do it. The editor wanted you off. So I had to decide who was lying and pretty much made my decision. But, um, you know, editors are going to not lie to you. They're just going to tell you the way it is. Um, so anyways, it just, it was kind of a cutthroat world and I guess anything can be, whether it be uh, barrel racing or, uh, you know, the newspaper business, whatever. I think any profession can be, um, you know, a matter of, of liking or disliking or opinions or whatever. But to answer that person's question, I decided at that time, it kind of gave me a foul taste in my mouth, you know that I just go back to my safe world of my clients and my training horses and, and lessons and clinics and all that. And I kind of got away from writing for them because even some of the interviews I would do, even though I fact check some stuff, I didn't fact check everything and it would come back to bite me sometimes, especially if it was horses that had sold and another person picked them up and they were finishing them or showing them. And anyways, barrel racer drama can be overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> and when you're not making a living at it, <laughs> you almost get to the point where you're like, well, is it really worth the stress and the negative energy to do it? And I think that's probably why I got further and further away from it and focused more and more just on my business. But I always will have a passion for writing and I think I will um, continue to write training articles and, and do stuff that, you know, is more on a personal level and with, you know, people who want to see it or read it. And nowadays you have podcasts and that. And um, so anyhow, to answer your question, that's how come I don't anymore and, um, and why I've gone on to other things. But um, another thing I wanted to talk about in the group um, this last week, I put in there a mental um, uh, mindset challenge. And it was um, five steps um, to reaching your goals and your dreams. Number one was to believe in yourself. And number two 
was to accept that RAS works. For those of you that didn't read it or see it yet, um, RAS is reticular activating system. Um, basically, it's a part of your brain that tries to make come true whatever you're thinking. So if every day you think I'm a world champion, I'm a world champion, your brain is going to try to make that happen. You know, if, you know, um, whatever you focus on is where your attention goes to. So, um, so we have to think about that a lot because it is important. Um, so that was number two, except that it does work. There's actually, actually science that backs it up. So number three is to stay relaxed and keep it fun. And that's really important, especially for those of you going to world right now. And number four is to write your own 60 second sprint. In the podcast, I have written one for you and I put it in the group as well. And that 60 second sprint is a way to start your day on a positive attitude and focus on your goals and your dreams and what you want to um, to be as your one one minute, basically one one minute, you know, get pumped up, get focused and, you know, and set your RAS for the day. Um, and you need to probably until you get really good at, um, at a, a positive mindset of thinking positive of focusing and making it your reality, you should probably say it two or three times a day to yourself um, or out loud, you know, put it, write it down and put it, you know, where you can see it and say it every morning and every night. Um, because your brain will start to try to make it a reality for you. I also did a podcast on, um, on four things to winning. Um, and that podcast, I think it's number 83. And that's, um, the four things to win are basically visualizing, practicing, timing, and feel. And I discuss all that in that podcast. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, I highly recommend you do because those four things along with that um, mindset skill can really be helpful for you. I know we talk a lot about, you know, practicing your skill, but I also talk a lot about mindset because to be an elite athlete and to be competitive at the top level, at a professional level, 1D level, you really have to have a tough mental game. And these are all important steps that you should consider when you're doing that. So um, let's see if there was any other questions before I go into the topic for today. So I'm a little hoarse. I apologize after all those videos in the last 48 hours. So um, I think that's probably the bulk of the questions. If I miss one, I'll catch it next week. Um, So chapter five is titled go get your dreams what a great start right so now this starts around 2005 and again if you haven't got the book you can go to amazon and get it on your phone through kindle or you can order her paperback and have it sent to you but i highly recommend you read it um, because it's really an empowering book about mindset and skill and what it takes and and how important it is to not quit, but maybe, you know, take a break here or there if you need to and and maybe change some things and all of that. But I, I just think it allows you to realize, identify with someone who's got there, made it, and, um, you know, kind of pretty thought-provoking. So in 2005, um, you know, it's her, 
her first year that she qualifies for the tie down roping in the WPRA. And she says, you know, old habits are hard to break if you don't work at them. So she has to learn that, you know, that negative self-talk has to go away, that you need to go hard, you've got to take action, you have to make a plan. Um, and, you know, <laughs> she, you know, made some small, small things, you know, like some small changes will make some huge improvements. I know for, um, for me saying things like I can, I will, I do that all the time in lessons and clinics. They'll be like, I, I do this, I do that in a negative sense, or I can't, or I won't or whatever. And I'm constantly reminding them, say, I can, I will positive words really matter. And then this um, chapter talks about being scared and doing it anyways. And you know, that happens a lot you know, for us, especially women hauling horses late at night, or in my case, when I was on my own and selling my big farm to this farm and hauling everything I owned and just praying for God to get me there safely and all my horses and animals in one piece and, and then getting here and being on my own and getting injured last June from a training horse and getting back to feeling confident to, you know, knowing that I'm injured, but knowing, you know, to get back to be able to compete or ride without severe pain and, and all of that. You know, it just sometimes you are scared and you do it anyways. And especially if you're on your own or you're, let's say you're a businesswoman and or a veterinarian and your hands are your livelihood or, um, you know, me as a, uh, you know, what I do for a living pays my bills. If I get hurt, I can't work. So you often think about stuff like that, you know, really, should I be going to a jackpot? You know, what if I get hurt, blah, blah, blah. So sometimes you'll let those things into your head and you can't do that. You know, you have to rationalize and say, look, you know, I practice, I'm prepared, you know, I take, you know, you just, and you have to live life. You can't just live life in fear. You know, you have to chase your dreams and, you know, it's not, you could wrap yourself in a bubble, but what kind of life would that be? You know, life is a gift. We have to enjoy it. So anyways, um, she goes on about taking her kids to the rodeos with her and how it kept it a little bit more fun for her and, you know, not as stressful as like when her dad's with her, they would analyze even after her runs, they analyzed everything before her runs, they analyzed everything. So with having the kids with her, they just wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese and things like that. So, you know, give her more, some more downtime and such. Um, and I guess you have to figure out what works best for you and, and keeping it light can often be just what you need. You know, there's a time to get serious and get focused, but there's also a time to just enjoy yourself as well. Um, so anyway, she talks about her PGA, her post-game analysis. And again, I would like you to read it because I'm giving very, very small sections of it, but just things that stood out to me. And I would love for you to share when I post this podcast in the group, comment on what stood out to you about chapter five. So, but she talks about her post-game analysis and, and, um, you know, what, what might've gone wrong and what you could do better and, you know, and, and not, you know, overdoing it, but, you know, making a game plan. Um, you know, her horse got hurt. Um, she had a lot of other things go on. Um, you know, those things happen. So she had to get a new horse and, um, you know, they wanted to go hard. She wanted to go hard. She made it to her first finals. Um, she went in there in second place, only $70 short of going into the world finals and number one in the standings. But yet she's so competitive that that was upsetting for her. So, but now she's toting a puppy and the kids and, 
and um, you know she's just kind of making her own way and kind of feeling good about herself she's got all her compulsive you know eating disorders and and mental OCD and all that under control and she's really focused and feeling good about where she's at which is awesome so um, as things go on uh, things that stood out to me here were um, things she said about like pushing yourself out of your comfort zone in order to improve and being willing to do things that other people wouldn't do to reach a goal and about how hard she would practice and how hard she was going to haul. She was hauling long, 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 long miles, lots of miles for small checks. Um, and back then they were small compared to what checks are now. So she also um, felt it was her time that she was ready to win a world title. She believed in herself that much and she didn't want to depend on her dad for it. She wanted her to do it on her own. And I think that hurt her dad's feeling not taking him, but I think it's something she had to just make the decision that, you know, this is something she has to do for her. And, um, you know, she gets to the finals and the setup is way different. She doesn't know what to do. So Troy, who she's depend on for getting new horses and lessons and all of that, tells her to go talk to Lara because she's won world titles and blah, blah, blah. She's kind of scared to go talk to Lara, even though she's, you know, sitting number number two in the world. She's scared to go over and talk to another world finalist, but she does. And uh, Lara tells her, shoot, I don't even know how I'm going to take it yet. I was going to watch some ropers and and, uh, watch the cattle and then make a decision. So, you know, we do that a lot in barrel racing, right? You go to a new event. So like, let's say you haven't been to the world yet. That's a perfect time to maybe watch how people are exhibitioning or maybe watch their first go around. Maybe they have a, a sweepstakes or some event first. And maybe you're not up for a long time. So you can even go watch two or three, you know, goes. I don't like to watch riders per se, because you don't need in your mind's eye to mimic someone else's riding. But what I will do is I will watch from the horse's shoulders down and I'll say, oh, I like those tracks or I don't like those tracks or, oh, the ground looks like it's holding or, you know, looks like the ground's hard and they're having to set earlier. Oh, it looks heavy. They're having to really push through. And um, so I think that's important when you go to a new place to kind of get a lay of the land and figure out what's bothering horses. Are they running free to this barrel, but setting up hard at that barrel? Is it a short score or a long score? Is it difficult to navigate the alleyway? And really just get a lay of the land. All of that's really, really important. Um, So I I thought that was kind of cool, even though these are ropers versus barrel racers, um, it's still that preparation that goes into it is important. Um, And she also talks about having people who care about you in your corner. Um, The people who care about you will be persistent in helping you move forward and improve. And I hope you realize how much I care about my group. Um, I've been doing this for over a year, a year and two or three months now. And and I don't think I've ever let you guys down in the sense that I've kept my word and I've always done my Q and A's and I've always done your reviews within a day or two of you sending me your videos and I try to give you mindset challenges and skill challenges and I do this not because I'm making a whole ten dollars a month off of you but because I really want to see you excel and I really want to be the best coach I can be and I really want um 
I want you to win. I want you to meet your goals and dreams. And, and I think, you know, that's important. And she talks about that and having your circle being of elite people with, with really elite mindsets and elite skill sets and of a genuine heart. And those are important things. So anyhow, she goes through her finals and, uh, you know, she actually gets hurt the day before the finals. I forgot to mention that. And, and you can read up on that too. But she actually falls loading up her truck and trailer. I'm always afraid of doing that right before a clinic. Like I've got 12 people that paid all this money and, you know, and don't get hurt because they're counting on me. Don't get sick. So I'm like real careful not to get around sick people. I'm real careful not to get hurt the whole week or two before an event uh, clinic. And here she falls down off her hitch off the back of her truck and hurts her shoulder. So she just goes to the finals with a hurt shoulder and just works through it. Practices saying, ow, it hurts. But, you know, she has to be in the finals. So anyway, so she learns a lot, though. She watches all these other women that are her heroes, rope. And um, matter of fact, one of them's there with a hurt shoulder as well. But first round, she does a two-looper, but it gets it tied down. The second round, she's still gets two loops but fourth place and then finally after it all she ends up you know in the average money but on three rounds she's you know two loop and everything and Troy tells her not to you know be negative but it's not over yet just keep going for it but so by the time they get to the finals she finishes fifth in the average and fourth in the world and she cries now some of us would be elated to be fifth in the world or fourth in the world and fifth in the average but she cries because her goal is to be number one in the world this is how she thinks right this is what she wants this is how intense and and driven she is so um i love what she says about respecting your competition and i've always believed that you're only as good as your competition and your competition will push you to be better you know they talk about being a a uh, big fish in a small pond and sometimes that's important for a while especially if you're trying to build your confidence you'll see people hang out at game shows for a long time or little jackpots for a long time because they can place at the top and build their confidence but then maybe you'll start going to mbhas and maybe you're in the 3d now instead of 1d 2d and then maybe you do finally get in the mbhas and the 1d and the 2d and then you want to go to pro rodeo and then you realize well, shoot, you can't get a check unless you're three-tenths off and I'm eight-tenths off. And then you get humbled again. So you, now you become a, a, a small fish in a really big pond. So it is the way it is, but it's how you get better. It's how you push yourself because you watch and you learn and 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 you you challenge yourself. And that's how change happens, by challenging yourself to improve And nobody can do that for you. I can't make you go out and practice. I can't make you load up and go to the barrel race. You have to be your person, your cheerleader. You have to be your motivator. You have to be your believer. Um, You know, you have to be your own best believer and cheerleader. So she ropes, she gets home from, from, you know, the finals and she's in pain. So she continues in pain to where she can't even lift bales of hay. Finally, two months later, she goes to the doctor and he says, rotator cuff tear, you need surgery. She doesn't ask questions because she doesn't know what to expect, but it ends up being a five month, three times a week rehabilitation. So from literally February of 2008 till July of 2008, she's in rehab. But when she gets better and she she gets really down and negative and sad during this time, but she has someone in her corner, the, the rehab person, who keeps her motivated and pumped up. 
but then she's lost all her confidence and fear and she literally goes two years to the summer of 2009 until she even goes to a practice with Troy again and ropes again. Two years. So after finals at the end of 2007 to the summer of 2009 before she even picks up a rope again. So, um, <laughs> you know, she, she talks about quitting. You know, she talks about quitting again. So I, I took a lot out of this chapter. For me, um, number one, believing in yourself. You know, uh, number two, the injury and the surgery. She comes back and she's not taking things for granted and she's grateful. Um, and number three, the attitude of gratitude. That's really important. Um, that stood out to me in this chapter. Uh, as, as well as uh, the part about challenges um, help us grow, you know, um, and things about what she said. She was scared, you know, what if it would hurt again? What if she gets hurt again? You know, she did get a wild card and went back to the finals um, that 2009, but she went back to her old habits because never has she yet in all this time addressed her biggest issues, which is, you know, uh, one, her mental game, but two, her skill, you know, just not quite working on her horsemanship and her roping, her loops and all of that. So anyways, um, I think the most valuable thing that stood out to me in this chapter was to never quit when you're emotional, you know, because by this time she's already quit three times. Um, when you have negative energy or emotions, just take a break. You know, you don't have to quit. It's okay to take a break. Um, you are, I'm going to close with a few final words here, um, and just leave you with this, especially with a lot of you going to some big events right now. Um, you are in control of your thoughts. You are in control of your emotions and your attitude. If you want to practice or compete, you have to get out there and do it. You have to motivate yourself. You have to be that cheerleader. You have to believe in yourself. But like I said, if it gets hard and you just need a break, take a break, but don't quit. Don't quit on your dreams. It may take you a long time like it did her to reach those dreams, but you know what? They're there. All I ever wanted from the time I was in Colorado in my early 20s was to have a truck and a trailer and a horse I trained and go to a barrel race. And then after that, I wanted to have horses I trained that would win and one in 2D and then go on and start my own training business and have a successful barrel racing business and for 29 years I've had that dream that God's given me that and I give all that glory to God because the gifts that we have in our life come from God in my opinion that's where they if we follow our purpose and our passion you know that's where we're going to be the happiest and obviously that was her so if it gets hard because you want to succeed and you need to take a break take a break if you need to ask for help ask for help Look at if she hadn't asked Larry how she was going to handle the, the box and find out that she didn't know either, you know, she could have really psyched herself out. And it felt good to know that everyone else was trying to figure out the box as well or that set up at that arena. So um, we're all pretty much in the same boat. So it's good to, to, to ask questions and to lean on other people. It's okay. So, but like I said... Um, you know, for those of you heading to world, chase those dreams. If it gets hard, take a break. Go have some fun. 
But most of all, as you're heading there, run your race. Don't treat that that bigger um, event with more entries or more added money or more pressure. Don't treat it different. Focus on the runs that you've had that were your best and keep everything the same. Go there, get the lay of the land, watch and learn if you need to a little bit, but stay calm and stay focused on what you can control. You can control your thoughts, the care of your horse, the connection with your horse, your warm up, visualizing your smooth run, trusting your relationship and teamwork with your horse. You can be in the moment. You can pick those two important things as you're exhaling and getting ready to make your run that you want to focus on. And you can have fun and make awesome memories that you'll look back on years from now because that's what you're going to remember the most. So I think I'll go ahead and close there and um, just tell everybody to always ride with heart and God bless y'all. Thank you. Thank you.